This is WTF What the Foot Radio Podcast, the podcast to tune into and learn all about feet in the news, entertainment, sports, and healthcare. You want to know the truth? We will give you the truth. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Dennis Timko, the Foot Guy. You are listening to my What the Foot radio podcast. So here we are again. Welcome, everybody. What the Foot radio. This is Dr. Dennis Timko. And uh, for our second uh, episode of 2014, um, the new news about uh, my New York Yankees, um, Alex Rodriguez. suspended for the entire year 2014 which is actually kind of nice as a Yankees fan knowing that uh, the Yankees will save now about 22 million dollars in 2014 which means they can reduce on their payroll taxes and not pay the penalty or um, use that money to get needed pitching so anyway that's my short uh, thing I do believe that uh, A-Rod did do PEDs he actually spoke about it back uh, 2007. I believe he did state he did take something back in 2001 to 2003, and then he said he didn't. Then uh, now he's saying he never did. So you can't ever believe this guy. Um, He's 39 years old, so he's probably not going to do much from this point on. It's kind of wasted money going forward, which I would never have signed him in the first place. But, hey, what do you know? You get one year World Series from him. I guess it's good enough. Um, anyway, let's talk about uh, something from the, before we get into our main talk about um, accountable care organizations, and we'll go over that briefly um, and how I feel about that in healthcare reform. I wanted to talk about a certain product that was in my tech rant about, that was founded in the in the uh, 2014 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, um, there was something that was related to podiatry that I um, heard about, um, thanks to my wife's cousin giving me the information. And um, but it's called the uh, Sensoria Socks, and it's a company. Sounds like an international company that um, developed. Um, a pair of socks for $150. I think the regular price is $199, 200 bucks. But for $150, bucks, they have an opening price right now out. And I think it comes out in March, so it's not actually out. So be interesting to see what we find out about these $150 socks. But they have sensors in the ball of the foot and in the heel that when you wear these with a little anklet that goes around your ankle, it sends a sensor Bluetooth to your phone, and you can identify, and it will tell you if you're running on your heel or you need to be running more on the forefoot. Um, it tells you your pace. Um, it's pretty interesting stuff, a kind of a cool concept. I've always had that idea in my mind that I wanted to develop some sort of shoe that did something similar 
but with a little more data. I think um, this is kind of the early stages, but I think there could be some room for improvement. Um, it sounds like it doesn't give you the full range of the entire pressure on the bottom of your feet. It kind of just shows little circles on the uh, fifth metatarsal phalangeal joint and the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and the heel. So there's like three spots, and I think we need a little more information when it comes to um, pressure spots, and I think it'd be a great idea for diabetics um, showing pressure spots and possible ulceration before it actually occurs. Um, this company also makes um, a bra and a t-shirt for men and a bra for a sports bra for women that will um, eliminate the need to put a big strap around your chest to identify your heart rate. So that's kind of an up-and-coming thing, and I think um, with cardiologists, I think that's kind of an interesting idea. So it's just early phases. Um, but anyway, uh, that's my tech rant. Um, we're going to go forward and uh, talk about these ACOs and accountable care organizations. But before we talk about these ACOs, I did have one issue that I wanted to shout out. Um, I'm currently having my personal insurance um, got canceled, you know, with this whole Obama thing. Um, you can keep your insurance. Um, well, I wasn't allowed to keep my insurance. Um, my insurance actually increased the premium, not much, but my deductible went from $1,200 to $3,200. That's a pretty big increase of what I have to pay out of my pocket. So I canceled back in December, and they still billed me for my first month's premium. Well, I called them. They didn't answer the phone. I was put on hold. I waited and waited. And waited almost five hours of being on hold. I finally gave up. So they kept saying on the hold message that due to Obamacare and healthcare reform, we've had more calls and blah, blah, blah. So this is our issue here in our country. We are at a time where healthcare is doing a drastic, drastic change. It's not going to be easy. And the hardest part is going to come from the doctors and the patients. And so it's just a little warning from my personal experience that we are going to have a hard time with this adjustment and change. Healthcare is just not the same. So if anybody out there is thinking about being a doctor or you know is a doctor but they have other options, now is the time to change. I honestly think there was a um they had some kind of um vote on podiatry today i get like a newsletter like every day through podiatry management and they um asked the question if there were some podiatrists out there that would at this time change their career if they had the choice and 70 percent of doctors answered yes 70 percent so um that's telling you something right now there is you know, doctors in my profession, and I'm sure they're in other professions, are fed up with the system, tired of doing the extra work. We're spending more time on administrative stuff, less time with our patients. And we went into this, I went into this to be a doctor to take care of patients. And I wanted to get patients better. 
yes, I wanted to make money. Yes, I wanted to pay my bills. But it comes to a time where you're thinking, I'm working more hours on just sitting here on the phone with insurance companies trying to figure out this Obamacare thing, trying to figure out these IDC 10 changes and all this situation, and still paying my student loans. It's just unreal. So um, things are going to change. There's going to be a drastic change in the quality of care. Um, you know, healthcare reform is definitely a need. Um, we do spend a lot of money in this country for healthcare compared to other countries. It does need to change, but I think they're doing it in the wrong way, and I think they're not focusing on areas of major need, um, and they didn't ask the right people again for help. So um, that's my rant today, and uh, let's go forward to talk about accountable care organizations. Accountable care organizations are basically like HMOs. Back in the 1990s, an HMO was an insurance that somebody would sign up for, and it would be a lot cheaper. Um, the reason why it'd be a lot cheaper is because you would have one doctor. Uh, it'd be written on your card called your PCP, your primary care physician. That doctor would be like your gatekeeper. So if you had a problem, any type of problem, foot problem, you know, mental problem, heart problem, um, sore throat, whatever it is, you would go to that doctor. That doctor would evaluate you. There'd be no copay. You would get in. The doctor would see you. And then he would say, I can take care of this. And he would take care of you. And then you'd go home. If he knew what he needed to do. Now, if you had a problem like a foot problem, and he couldn't take care of it, now he would have to refer you to a specialist. That referral would need to be written by that doctor, and that doctor would end up having to cost him his finances. So it's an incentive for the doctor to take care of the patient on his own. For example, he gets a capitated financial incentive. For example, $2,000 per month, per patient. I'm just making that number up, but it's an example. If it costs that doctor to send somebody to surgery and that surgery costs $500, well, that $500 comes out of that $2,000, and that doctor at the end of the month only gets $1,500 and not $2,000. So it's an incentive for him to prevent you from spending money. But if you need to get better and you need help, it was required that he'd send you to somebody that knew how to do the procedure if he did not know how to do the procedure. I'm sorry, he or she um, didn't know how to do the procedure. So, so that's what an HMO is. But an ACO is slightly different in the sense that it's not forcing you to go to a doctor. You don't need a referral, but it's a big group of doctors 
and hospitals that are coming together to form a large integrated group. And so the the hospital now takes on this authority or the big group to help patients stay healthy and prevent problems. Um, it's like, think like it's like Ford or GM. Uh, you go car shopping and you want to buy a car and you see the sticker price on the window and then you see that total price, you know, 25000 Okay. So, you know, Chevy Volt, 30000 Uh Well, it's more like 40000 And you don't need to go down the list and go, okay, thank God we have Ford or GM because then they have the sticker and they put everything together. Now, if you didn't have those dealerships, then you would have to buy the body. Okay, the body costs this much. The tires cost this much. The electric electronic parts cost this much the engine costs this much then you got to put it all together and figure it out yourself well that's what an aco is an aco is like that gm or that ford you're going to go to that aco you're gonna they're going to give you the price you're going to say i need a heart transplant or i need a bunionectomy done and and they're gonna tell you what it's going to cost and so you can go to different acos and kind of shop around um so I don't know if that's the best, you know, best thing, because I think some doctors, you know, even in my profession, I mean, they need to look and, and see which doctors are actually spending less money. For example, I can do a hammer toe procedure um, a lot cheaper than some other doctors that are doing hammer toe procedures utilizing, you know, uh, I'm utilizing a simple K wire, the old fashioned technique, which might cost 10 bucks. But some a doctor down the road is doing the same procedure, is going to use a special new titanium uh, cobalt, you know, type of, you know, piece of uh, metal that goes in your toe, does the same thing. That piece might cost $400. Mine costs 10 bucks. The same result is the same. I'm going to fix your toe. So you need to look at those doctors that are utilizing um, better, efficient, more economical techniques, um, and, and that's the key. Uh, so we need to figure out a way to do that, and I think a lot of the hospitals already know that answer from the doctors uh, and even the surgery centers that are performing these surgeries. So these ACOs are there to help save money. It's going to incentivize these doctors and these hospitals to spend less and help people prevent problems, and then the government will um, pay you for that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, some of the hospitals are thinking, well, wait a minute. So you want me not to do procedures, and you're going to pay me more. Nowadays, what it's like now, the more procedures you do, the more pay you get, the more Bunions I fix, the more money I make. It might not be a lot, but if I'm doing more, I'm making more. It's quantity, not quality. So they want to switch that around. They want you to do less procedures, which means less money for the specialists, less money for the doctors like the orthopedists, the anesthesiologists, the urologists, the cardiologists, the podiatrists. All those doctors are in the top five top ten of money makers 
in compensation and because they're doing procedure type issues and the more procedures you do the more money you make and the government's trying to swap that around the less procedures you do the more money you make i'm not sure how they're gonna do that i'm not really sure nobody really knows how they're going to qualify you know this aco saw this many people and prevented this many problems so they're going to get this much bonus I, I really don't know and i don't think too many people do know but that's the idea it's a great idea um i think that's what we need to go and head towards but i don't know if they're doing the right way of doing it i think in the beginning um we're going to be struggling um the hospitals are going to be struggling trying to figure it out and trying to make ends meet and pay their bills um and uh, some of the hospitals are in tough areas uh, where patients are not so compliant. Um, they're going to have issues. And, um, you know, I think that home care um, and nutritionalist type of medical um, help is going to be a huge benefit um, because you're going to have to babysit these patients. Um, honestly, you know, I've done home care for five years when I first started my practice. And when a patient comes to your office versus seeing them in their own home, you can see a huge difference in what they're actually doing than what they're actually telling you. And if you can get somebody to, you know, the government can pay more for home care and have people evaluate, even people that aren't homebound, Make sure you go to their house, look at what's there in their fridge. Oh, are they smokers? They're telling you they're not smokers, but when you go to their house, does their house smell like smoke? You know, there's some things in there that can be changed, that can be educated patients when you actually see the truth. Um, you know, and, and that's the big thing. I think home care, nutrition, you know, is a big thing on preventing cancer preventing diabetes, preventing heart disease, and those are the three major costs of healthcare today in the United States. So again, my thought is we're going to have to babysit these patients if we really want to prevent problems. If the government is in the want these ACOs, the accountable care organizations to work and you want to prevent problems and have less procedures, then you're going to have to prevent them from happening. And in order to do that, you're going to have to babysit these patients. And you're going to have to have some doctors that are open to communicating with their patients via Skype, via FaceTime, texting. Um, and that's a problem right there because there's a lot of HIPAA violations and sort. And also doctors are afraid of being sued. And so, you know, whatever they say to a patient might be... Um, thought of a different way and the patient might take it a different way and then there's like well you told me this no well you told me this well where's the documentation that says that so uh, actually a text is is a document too and email or are documents but everything has to be in control and i think in these days everybody is sue happy so that's dangerous but i do think that that's the way of the future if somebody were to skype me and i looked at facetime i had a buddy just this weekend text me a picture of his wife's toenail and said, hey, what do I do with this? What's the, you know, and I kind of gave him some advice. I mean, the, the technology is great. I mean, I can give him advice, but, 
you know, my advice is, is money. I mean, that's what I went to school for. It costs money to get advice. If I go to a lawyer, lawyer is going to sit down with me, not for free. He's going to cost me money. It's, you know, $120 an hour. Well, it's probably like $250 an hour for lawyers around here. So, uh, you know, the doctors are not the, are the same. we got to make money. We're, we're a service. We, we've got to pay our loans, and we've got to pay our bills for the same people everybody else is doing. And the last thing of these ACOs, they're, they're basically leaning toward larger groups. Um, I've seen it already happening now with my own profession. I see a lot of doctors joining groups. You rarely see a solo practice doctor these days in, in any practice. And so, you know, larger groups, it's, it's like a monopoly. And, and these ACOs, I know there's about 400 ACOs in the entire country so far, and, and even my local hospital here in uh, Fenton, Missouri, St. Clair Hospital, they just signed up for, as an ACO. And um, I'm not even sure if even podiatrists are even allowed to be in ACOs. Um, do they even need us? I mean, they can get a, a nurse or a, a medical assistant to trim toenails and do ingrown toenails, but might not be a great job at it, but they can still do it. About the only thing I can see us being necessary for is the diabetic foot. I mean, diabetes is huge, and I have not yet seen one doctor other than a podiatrist to truly do the, the, a good job on a diabetic foot. So hopefully that will be our, you know, continuing to make our profession alive. Um, but, but again, large groups, it, it's, it's uh, not a good thing for, for our country health care because um, it becomes a monopoly. And, and um, just like, for example, if you had like AT&T and all the other companies, Verizon and, and Sprint, just shut down and there was only one company. Well, that company's going to raise their rates. You're, you're, you're going to be in, in a group that's not going to care about whether they keep you or not because you're stuck with them. And an ACO is the same way. We still need to have those small groups. We still need solo practice doctors in business because that is what's going to keep us going and keep us true to patients and keep people happy to going in and seeing their doctor like a family doctor and not just a number, your person and not just a number. So that's my take and um, hope everybody enjoys my podcast and uh, we'll see you soon. www.feetdoc.com Ciao!